This episode of FileMaker Talk is sponsored by FMPUG and the DevCon Scheduler. Okay, Scheduler, who am I kidding? Available free at devconscheduler.com. Redesigned for 2010, it's fast and looks amazing. See the entire DevCon schedule, sessions, speakers, exhibitor specials, events, and much more. Save your personal schedule and connect with your friends. If you can't attend, use the scheduler to keep your finger on the pulse today and right through the show. Andy Gaunt and the team at DNG have gone absolutely out of their way to make this an amazing product. So go on, head to devconscheduler.com and register now for free and stay ahead of the curve. Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. In this episode, I've got Richard Carlton, the CEO and Senior Engineer of Richard Carlton Consulting. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Matt. So something really cool came out, FileMaker Go. Yep, yep. It's very exciting uh, software from FileMaker. Tell me what it is. Well, FileMaker Go is basically the uh, software release for the iPhone and iPad. It allows these devices to natively run FileMaker databases that people have already created um, they can run them locally on the device, or they can hook up to a FileMaker server that's running. But it gives you the ability to take your FileMaker databases remotely with you wherever you go with your iPhone or iPad. Yep, pretty awesome. So you can either transfer databases to the device through iTunes, or you can email it to somebody, and then they can actually save that database and open it locally, and it uh, goes into a saved space. Pretty cool. No, it's fantastic uh, software. I remember uh, early on when the dis- discussions of this, we weren't sure that we'd be able to run the databases locally, but the folks at FileMaker, the engineers at FileMaker, have really worked really hard on this over the last uh, year. And uh, they got us these new features, the ability to run the databases locally. It's great. Who are the big engineers at FileMaker who are involved? Well, you got Chris Krim, of course. You got Clay Mackle, and there's a whole team of folks there that work with those. Uh, but you know, th- those seem to be the names that come up frequently. But as is things with FileMaker, they protect their uh, engineering talent very closely. And as an external developer, I can talk to the marketing and sales folks, and even the product managers. But they try to keep me isolated away from the engineers because they know I'll sit and and bug them and ask them questions all day. So they're a they're a protected resource. <laughs> That's funny. I've I've in the past I've had the pleasure of sitting down with uh, some of the engineers at FileMaker, so I know exactly what you mean. I would totally sit there and pepper them with questions all day too. All, all day. What is your involvement with FileMaker Go? Well, we've been involved with FileMaker Go uh, for a couple months prior to the release of the product. Uh, Our primary job was to provide uh, some feedback and testing uh, to the product uh, to give some usability ideas to FileMaker. uh, Because basically the the thing was largely baked by the time I was brought in and a couple other consultants were brought in. And they were just trying to fine-tune the application, find any bugs, and specifically have us go out and try it with some of our customer solutions. And, of course, we couldn't tell the customers we were doing this, Mm -hmm. so we were doing it kind of on the sly, but we would take the device and log on to a um, a FileMaker server somewhere with a customer solution to make sure it behaved properly. And so we've been kind of in stealth mode doing that. And, of course, now we're out of the shadows, and it's exciting for everyone to get to play with it now. That's cool. So you might actually even have some customers live on day one using this then. I got a call from several of my engineers this morning saying the customers are all excited. They want to, you know, we're getting calls about it. I mean, this is huge in the world of FileMaker. I mean, really, really, really huge. For those who've been around for a long time, back to like FileMaker 3 kind of became relational. It's bigger than the FileMaker 7 release. It's it, This is massive because it makes us 
that makes it very relevant to all sorts of people who never thought about FileMaker as a serious tool because these people are the younger crowd, the teenagers, the 20-somethings that are are doing a lot of remote connectivity and iPhones and pads and things are natural for them. They love it. And now they're suddenly – it's a very relevant tool. It's a hot topic. It's big. Well, I'm super excited because the way I see it, the desktop platform is pretty – steady. I mean, it's it's old and kind of boring, but the iOS platform is incredibly explosive in its growth and excitement and it opens up things that you just couldn't do before. For the iPhone, it's 20 bucks, and for the iPad, yeah. it's 40 bucks. Which I thought was really funny, right? Because, you know, I had conversations, you know, previous and and they were asking what I thought about pricing and I said, "Well, you know, you're going to sell it for, you know, the I said we'd sell it for the same price, but because the same, you know, level of engineering and effort went into both products effectively, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a psychology that goes into that it's an iPhone, it's smaller, maybe it's less capable than the iPad, therefore the software should be cheaper. So this it's literally a psychology issue there with the price being lower there. But it's the same product. It's not like it's less of a product. It's everything that it is on the pad, just yeah, smaller. Didn't they do the same thing with Bento? I think the two different versions of Bento are different priced on the uh, Yeah, once iPad. again, same, same strategy right. there with that. But there's actually some different features. I think the Bento for iPhone actually has a bunch of things on there that are very different than you can do on the iPhone. Yeah, the only differences between these two products largely is, at least the one that's the most obvious, is that on the iPhone, the iPhone's actually more capable because it has a phone in it, right? And right. so if you run the dial command, which is a script step most of us haven't played with in years, but you can run the dial command on that device. It will dial the phone on your iPhone. And the pad, of course, there's no phone, so we can't do that. Hmm. I thought that it was great that you could send emails, which is cool. It'll actually just go out through your regular email account. I don't know if it can communicate with an SMTP server directly, can it? Yeah, it's supposed to be able to do that. I have not personally uh, turned that switch yet. FileMaker is a pretty deep product, as you know, right? right. And, and this is effectively FileMaker 11 that's been crafted down. And if you look at every possible script and, and permutation and, you know, and is it encrypted from server to client, all these sorts of things. I mean, we've had our finger in a, in a vast majority of it, but there's a couple things that we haven't tested. But yeah, the SMTP direct email capability is uh, in the product. Okay, joining us in the middle here is my co-host, Matt Petrowski. Matt, welcome. Hey, thanks. So we were just getting into talking about some of the limitations about FileMaker Go. Richard, what do you what do you see as some of the issues that uh, both issues that are that really should be limitations and things that are that users are going to have to work around? Yeah, well, of course, the obvious things that are right in your face immediately is the fact that you can't do a development on this device. It's basically a, a device that's designed for end users to use the database. So you're not going to be doing database development, layout tweaks, uh, defining fields, things like that. Obviously, you need to think about the size of the real estate of the screen that you have and organizing information differently. People's fingers are bigger than pointers. And, and so we were testing this with, with, with a secretary in my office, and, and she is very uncoordinated. And, of course, she had a hard time pressing some small buttons, so we kept upsizing buttons on our sample files until she could press those buttons reliably. So there's all sorts of little issues with the touchscreen and a 3G network. You want to make sure it's light and fast, things like that. But mm-hmm. uh, it's fundamentally FileMaker, and it's a huge opportunity. We just have to be aware it's a different platform. So I don't yeah, know that I'd consider three. it a limitation. Not being able to develop on the iPhone or iPad doesn't seem like a limitation to me because most people don't have a full-on factory to build their own car. So consider FileMaker the factory to build the car, and then people just want to drive the car. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the concerns FileMaker had is that if we had brand new people go to the App Store um, and they would download the software and they weren't familiar with it, they would be told that they also need to purchase a copy of FileMaker, right, to actually do additional custom development. So, of course, all the faithful people who've been using FileMaker for years see the instant value here. We're all examples of that, right? But brand new people, we want to introduce them to the tool and let them know that they can use the tool, but they're going to need a regular copy of FileMaker Pro on their desktop to uh, finish uh, adjusting the database that they want to tweak. Did you guys notice that this is the number one top-grossing app in the App Store today? Well, that's it doesn't that surprise when you have <laughs> that big of a price point. That's a good good place to enter the list, though, number one. <laughs> well, you know what's been number one for, like, weeks and weeks and months, right? It's that little Angry Birds application, that little I hate video that game. thing. Have you played it? It's yeah. fun. <laughs> My little brother loves it, but I just can't can't get into it. So My what top are top for ninety nine cents? I wow. know that's crazy. <laughs> so let's see. So obviously, I, I agree with you guys that not being able to develop on the iPad iPhone version is not an issue. Uh, I wouldn't want to develop. I wouldn't want my users to develop. I just want them to consume apps and, of course, be able to maintain data. Um, one pretty big limitation, I think, is that when you go home, the app does not stay suspended in the background. So if you're connected to a FileMaker server, you get disconnected. Even if the phone or device just goes to sleep, um, after 10 or 20 seconds, you get disconnected. Basically, it's kind of like force-quitting FileMaker all the time. What do you What do you think about that, Richard? Well, what technically happens is that when FileMaker is given the hibernation command on to, from the operating system from the device, it does a quick push of information back to FileMaker server saying it's disconnecting. So FileMaker sees that it's the server sees it's being disconnected if it's a remotely connected database. And so that's helpful for us knowing that that person has dropped off the server. What ends up happening is that FileMaker does keep a, a local cache of the information, the layouts and screens and data that you had. It also keeps your security code that you had. And so when you come back into FileMaker, it says, hey, you were using a database. Would you like to reconnect automatically? And you say yes, and it does this really high-speed, quick connect capability, and it goes right back to where you were. Didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, the one caveat to that, of course, is if you're running a script at the time that FileMaker decides to hibernate because, say, you get a call on your iPhone and you say, I want to answer the call, and FileMaker has to go to the background. If you had a script that was running at that moment, that script will be terminated right where it was at. And so it could leave you in a state of script unhappiness, right, where you were doing some work. So one of the big design philosophies around this platform is at least – you know, we've been discussing with, with the folks at Soliant and, and some other consultancies. And the thought is maybe not do a lot of heavy lifting with your scripts on these devices. So if you have to terminate a script halfway, it's not going to be a data integrity issue for you. Right. Yeah, because that could be a pretty big issue. Like if you've got a script that creates 100 invoice line items or something like that and takes five seconds to run, exactly. you wouldn't want that to ever be able to exit in the middle. And if it did, you'd want to be able to set it up in a way where it's kind of an atomic thing. You know, like the one big commit at the end or, or something like that or a way to undo it. Exactly. And so when you write your scripts, if you know you're going to have a, a script that does crit, kind of a critical task like the 100 line items for an invoice, you're going to want to write it in such a way that if it gets stopped halfway, it's not going to be the end of the world. Your system, when it comes back to it, will see that, you know, you, cut, you run another script down the road and it sees, oh, this was incompleted or not completed properly. So it's able to roll that back. Um, when you come back, it doesn't resume the script. Um, because think about it. If, if you if you slept your phone or you went away for a day or a day or a week or whatever, mm-hmm. you don't want to come back and have some script that was half-baked 
resume because the status of the database could change, right? So um, it was dangerous kind of situation, and Apple requires that these applications, once you leave them to answer a phone call or do something else, they have to really hibernate almost immediately. Sure. Uh, and so it was a, it's a battery drain issue, a performance drain issue. So that's what they had to do with that. They get 10 seconds to run in the background while the app is quitting, though, right? They get a little bit of time. It's very, very brief. That would be a great under-the-hood question for the developer conference coming up for people to know about, to ask that question, how much time it gets. But the reality is is that you can pretty much rest assured that your script's going to terminate uh, midstream if it's running at that point. Right. Yeah. Actually, I think the app, I've read some information and learning some, some uh, app development for native apps in iPhone, iPad. And I think the app itself, so FileMaker application would get 10 seconds, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll give your application, your database, 10 seconds. We've been testing it, you know, uh, prior to launch. We know that FileMaker Go will actually send a notification to the server to that is disconnecting, but it's not going to have time to run the closed script, etc. So, yeah, if, it may have 10 seconds um, or whatever that time period is, but you're going to get a very small slice of that for whatever you're doing. What do you think about the performance comparison between running it on the desktop versus running it on iPad and iPhone? You know, I've got fairly modern computers in my office. It's not as fast. It doesn't feel as fast. But, of course, you're dealing with devices that are smaller and lighter and run on a battery for like eight hours. So mm-hmm. the reality is is that you're not going to want to run a big statistical report for the company on your iPad or iPhone. It just doesn't make sense. But it's pretty quick. It's pretty quick given what we have. I mean, it's a battery device that runs this long. So, I mean, it reminds me of a computer performance that I would have seen maybe 2000 or 2001, something like that. I mean, at that day and time, the operating systems were tuned for it. They didn't seem slow, right? right yeah. I mean, you, you, but so, so this doesn't seem slow, but if you compare how long your script takes, um, you can tell scripts take longer to execute. Hmm. Okay. No general metric, though, of like comparing it to a MacBook Pro, it's four times faster or 10 times? We are actually running the metrics actually this week, and uh, we will know. We'll be able to get put actual pen to paper on that. FileMaker, I know, hates doing book uh, metrics like that because they're kind of subjective. Right. Uh, but we are actually running tests. We have a benchmarking application. We're going to have that shortly. So your website, you can tell us a little bit about what your website is and what things you've produced already to support FileMaker Go. Yeah, sure. So because we've had a little bit more lead time with the product, you know, one of the things that FileMaker, I think, you know, indirectly expects us to do is, is help build tools to support it and, and, and basically help the launch. And so what we've done is we've two things we did. One was a FMGO training tool, which is a free tool that is on our website. And the training tool is designed for the developers, the power users to download. And you run it on your desktop and you also run the tool on your iPad or iPhone mostly iPad because that was kind of what we targeted the screen size to. But it allows you to see the differences between how the two devices behave doing the same type of thing. So all the issues that you really need to be aware of, we go through. So the hibernate issue, usability calculations, you know, scripting, certain script commands are not supported like import, export, and print, right? And so we are able to have developers kind of walk through these things and learn. So if they spend a couple hours learning from this tool, that helps them learn faster and make solutions better, quicker kind of thing. The one last solution that we have that comes out pretty uh, shortly, uh, of course, the FM starting point solution, which has been always been free. Uh, we've uh, retooled a bunch of screens that they are actually tuned for the iPad and iPhone. So they have larger buttons and the interfaces are a little bit different to support the touchscreen. Cool. But, and all that's available at rcconsulting.com. Yeah, rcconsulting.com, and uh, the tools will be available, and FM Starting Point will be available. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. It, it, it's free, and the point is you can download it, play with it, tear it apart, and then you know use it or not use it. It's fine. Can you take a FileMaker database 
uh, and actually put that right on your homepage, or do you have to launch the app and then open it up? Yeah, that's a good point. In fact, we have made a tweak to our website last night. We initially had posted the, this uh, training tool as a zip file. And I'd forgotten the fact that if you actually just post a straight FP7 file on your website and click it, your iOS device will see that it's a FileMaker file, and it'll say, hey, would you like to load this onto your local copy of FileMaker? So, yeah, you, you actually can click on it. It brings up a little dialog saying, would you like to install it locally on your device? So it's, it's neat. It, you can go direct like that. Cool. So you don't That's have to. Nice. So you can actually put it right on your homepage and have each of your applications be right on your homepage. Yes, without you know zipping and any sort of weird uh, encoding or anything like that. It just works. Which of course you know I, I sound like a Steve Jobs fanboy and you know I, I like Steve Jobs and frankly if you own stock in Apple he's made us money. Um, you know <laughs> and I take exception to what he says sometimes, but the reality is is that it just works and it's hard to argue with the technology when it just works. That's I mean, true. So, Matt, what are some of your issues? What do you think is going to be uh, limitations and whatnot? Well, the one question that I had that you may have already covered is I was just wondering about uh, with regards to UI design, something I'm fond of. If you basically design to the exact window size specs for whatever device, iPad, iPhone, does it render true to quality 100%? It will. If you go over it, and this is where it gets interesting. It's one of the differences between the Pro product and the Go product. If you design a screen that's, say, oversized, say that you know we said it's 1024 uh, wide, but you design something that's 1500, right? Right. FM Go behaves like Safari does, and it'll take the entire screen and reduce it down so it all fits laterally on the screen at one time. Pro doesn't do that. Pro keeps it at 100% and then allows you to scroll left and right. By default, Go will actually smash it all down so it laterally fits on the screen. You can use your fingers to widen it out and pinch and zoom and things, but it behaves a little differently. So just keep that in mind. If you have a 24-inch interface with you know 2,000 pixels wide or 2,400 wide or something, mm-hmm. and you load it on a phone, it's going to smash the whole thing down to be tiny. And so that's where getting in and building your own... I mean, Matt Petrowski, I mean, you've got... A huge opportunity here to help show the FileMaker world how to build interfaces for these devices because they really need their own specific interfaces. They really do. Yeah. Oh, well, they just gave me an opportunity to put uh, new layouts into my upcoming product. Well, you should tell us all about that product. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Update to the theme library. So you can combine icons, uh, swap layout colors, all kinds of different things. I use the theme library. Uh, our engineers here at RCC use it. So as an unbiased review, I mean, that's a really great tool. People need to be aware of this. It's worth every penny you pay for that theme library, every well, penny. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen the new one, then you'll seriously appreciate it. It's more like a, it's a tool now instead of just a library or a collection of layouts and icons and elements. Now it actually lets you do things well, cool. with those elements. So if I design at, you know, whatever the screen resolution is on the iPhone, it will show it, but of course it will still support the uh, pinch and zoom. In other words, I could magnify it. I played with this a little bit today. If you have a layout that's smaller than will fit on the iPad, so like a layout that's 400 pixels wide, for example, it'll open up at 100% on the iPad. And if you turn, if you rotate the iPad tall or wide, the FileMaker layout will resize and re- reorient. And Richard, you were saying there's actually a way that you can sense that in the in your database, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we've been asking for a script trigger that would say on screen rotate. And of course, we don't have that yet, but we've been making the request to FileMaker and there, we hopefully will get something in the future with that. But there are two, there are several Git functions, Git screen height, Git screen width, those type of things. And as you rotate the device, those Git functions do not change, but there are two Git functions that do change. And we saw this yesterday and we've actually got this in our little training tool. It's Git window content height and Git window content width. And if you, uh, do a git function and then you flip your device uh, orientation and then run the git function again, those numbers will change. And so that's your cue that you've rotated the device. Beautiful. I was just going to ask if they're supporting something like you can currently find out whether you're in pro, advanced, or server. And I wouldn't have thought that they would change that in FileMaker because we haven't had a FileMaker release, but we needed some way to determine what the dimensions of what we were on and whether or not they changed. So beautiful. Yeah, of course, there are the Git functions for the uh, platform and application version. And, you know, uh, the Go products do report back that they are different than the, the platform. The platform returns, uh, I believe, three. Mm-hmm. And then um, if you do the application version, it says it'll say pro. And then the version number, or correction, it'll say go in the version number. Or it'll say go underscore iPad and then the version number. And so there's all sorts of cues in there. You can tell what device you're running on. It's really, it's really great. That's nice. And then the only the other question that I had, one of the first things that came to mind was I saw I looked at their uh, news release, went to their web page, saw the demos. At the bottom, they've got the uh, obviously they're not going to support plugins. That makes sense. They're not going to allow the plugins to go on to the actual devices. But with regards to server side computation of plugins, let's take UUID for, as an example. Let's say somebody's going to download a database either via the web page or it's sent an email. They get it onto the local device, but you want to use UUIDs. We know that we can use Ray's internal method. Mm-hmm. Now, it supports custom functions, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what about the any type of third party? Say, for example, I'm using uh, Jesse's 360 Work Scriptmaster to generate those UUIDs. Can I have that done if I'm uh, connected to a server and have that be part of the process so that the server actually generates the ID, use some type of agent process, and that is on the device where the UUID was generated from the server side. It's an interesting question. I mean, obviously, you can use server-side scripting to uh, do all sorts of work for you. In fact, Todd Geis was a big proponent of that. So it's a good idea if you have heavy lifting and you want to just trip a flag on your on your iPad or iPhone and have the server run a process in the background with a plug-in if necessary, then that is supported. But the server itself, of course, treats these new devices just like they're another client. And so when the SASE or the server-side scripting, we call it SASE, but the server-side scripting is running on the server, it can't directly interact with the clients. I'm thinking about this performance over 3G. I mean, first of all, WAN FileMaker performance is nothing to go home and jump up and down about. So now you're going through 3G, which is going to be spotty, dependent on the type of connection you have. I'm thinking from an interface standpoint, because that's usually how I'm approaching FileMaker, I have to make these things extremely lightweight in order to make them feel like they're snappy. Yeah, I agree. I think you're going to have to have a, a lightweight interface. The reality is on the iPhone, you don't have a lot of room to make a gnarly interface anyway. So I, I think that kind of is a self-solving problem. I think you'll have more of an issue with the iPad because basically the iPad is the same screen size what most of us all had about 10 years ago, which is this 1024 768 size. So and my clients still have that today. <laughs> still have it today. Yeah, and a lot so, of my clients run 19-inch monitors running at 1024 by 768. You can't convince them not to do it. 
<laughs> yeah, so there's an issue that you're going to want to see, and, and Mr. Petrowski is completely correct with this. It's, uh, we'll have to address that issue and make sure you don't make heavy interfaces that, that clog up the 3G network. So what happens if you're on an iPhone in 3G and you're connected to the database and then you lose 3G and you go down to Edge? Does it disconnect or does it support on Edge and just run that much slower? The network interface is transparent to FileMaker. And so while I haven't run that scenario, FileMaker is just running the network connection. So if the network gets slower for whatever reason, it should still function properly. Um, that being said, I have not personally run into that issue. So I would just, uh, I would defer that to someone uh, testing to be sure. But largely, FileMaker is not worrying about the underlying uh, transport vehicle for this information going back and forth. I mean, if it's Wi-Fi, it's faster. If it's 3G, it's slower. And if, and if everyone's in San Francisco using 3G, like at a, develop, a developer conference, <laughs> um, you know, it, it becomes almost unusable. Right. So. Yeah, I'll look forward to that um, get network connection. Oh. <laughs> response edge. Sorry, got to shut down the FileMaker yeah, app. <laughs> but you know what's actually interesting is if you then go into a place where you have Wi-Fi, all of a sudden your database would go fast again. And that's something you, that cannot happen on your computer. Like if you switch networks on your computer and you're connected to FileMaker, you're disconnected. One of the things the FileMaker engineers were talking about, I know the marketing folks were talking about it, is that they have pioneered some new technology in this FileMaker Go software. Specifically when you unhibernate, you come back to FileMaker and it says, hey, would you like to reconnect again? That technology has practical applications in the pro product. So there's some things that they have had to do to overcome some obstacles where you're, you know, you can see conceptually that some of these new features would come down to the, the pro desktop and the ability to reconnect automatically would be great. The ability to, to shift uh, if the network connection shifts, if the operating system does that, uh, not to have it disrupt FileMaker, that would be great. And I, I could see them thinking along those lines. Any other limitations you want to talk about? The scripting is the big one. Obviously, touchscreen interfaces, larger buttons, uh, lighter interfaces, something we call directed workflow, where you really direct the users in a very simple interface through the steps of their jobs that they need to do. I'm not talking about power users who want to access their entire database on the device, but you know, just the end users, we're going to you know, buy 20 of these devices and send them out to do you know, inventory control in a warehouse or something like that. You're going to build interfaces that are tuned for the network connection, tuned for the device, and it keeps things as simple as possible. But, you know, largely the import-export functionality isn't there. The uh, the printing obviously isn't there. You don't see people lugging around 40-pound laser printers behind their iPhones. Um, so that makes sense, of course. Viscerally, you understand that. Mm -hmm. so, I have a question. Uh, I'm going to assume, because I, you may have talked about this, um, navigation is just based on what we're already used to. You click a button, it takes you to another layout. Is there any support for swiping? Say, for example, you put a button on a layout, and it would be nice if in the pro product we could actually specify that this is a touchscreen swipe-specific button. And if you put your finger over that and swipe, it actually just swipes to another layout. Yeah, no, that would be very cool. Um, the layout controller on the FileMaker Go, when you have multiple windows open, you can drop back in the upper left-hand corner of the screen as an icon that allows you to see the various windows that you have open, and you can swipe left and right. That's how you change the windows on the database of what you're in. But having it a manual control that we set up in our own solutions is not there yet. That would be a really neat solution to have. Yeah, that'd be nice. You can pinch and zoom infinitely between however small you can get, and the maximum is 400%, I noticed. But I didn't see uh, swiping would be cool to be able to navigate from record to record, or I guess you can scroll on a list. You, you swipe to scroll on a list of records. That was That's how you do that. 
Yeah, the momentum scrolling is supported. That's a, an iOS function where you have a list view and you grab the list view and you swing it and it keeps kind of motoring along but slows down on its own. Um, that's supported in the product. It's, it's really great. Portals are there. The little scroll bars on the right side, I'm, I'm not totally sold on how those operate. So, you know, digging through lots of portals and sorting portals with thousands of records, I mean, performance-wise, once again, we're back to considerations with that. But yeah, basically, it's literally a brave new world. It's a new platform. Some of the font rendering is a little different from, you know, from Mac to Windows for developers, you know, pay attention to this. You should be, right? You always check your solutions on Mac and Windows, right? And, of course, now we really need to check it on one additional device, which are these devices, because not all the fonts are supported. In fact, the fonts on the iPhone, there's a subset of the fonts that are supported on the pads. The pad actually supports more fonts. Um, and the vertical spacing on the fonts is a little bit different from the desktop to the pro. So you need to check your interface elements on this third platform. It's really mm-hmm. a brand new third platform. It's yeah. made by Apple, but it's this. It's not a Mac. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It is iOS, which is a totally different thing. Well, yeah. if I'm going to develop for this, I'm I'm just going to take the whole separation. I'm going to put my data in one file. I'm going to create a desktop file, and I'm going to create a web file, and I'm going to create a mobile file, and basically the interfaces will be isolated into each of the three files that support the platform, and then just, you know, all unified, connect to the one data file. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That would keep things simplified. Um, In our FM starting point solution, we have everything cobbled together into a single file. And so we have this directory or this hierarchy of uh, layouts that are for the iPhone and a hierarchy of layouts for the pad and then all the ones for the desktop, right? So it's all spewed into one big file. Um, But, yeah, I could see the, the benefit of a separation model on this. Of course, when you go to deploy, you could actually have your development version be that big file. And then if... Um, I haven't seen any problem with having large database files on the iPad. It doesn't seem like it cares if the file's really big. It opens really fast and just executes. But if that becomes an issue, you could just delete all the layouts that are specific to desktop from the version you ship on the iPad. Limitation-wise, it seems like there's no gotchas at all. Is that what you found as well, Richard? Yeah, limitation-wise, I mean, this basically does everything. Um, The charting is not supported initially. That was new with FileMaker 11. The charting isn't in there, and FileMaker is working on this. If you ask them, they've got a whole uh, list of issues that they want to, you know, they want to fully support everything, but they're not doing it yet. This is the, you know, this is the first version of the product. Conceptually, for those who remember, you know, the United States landing on the moon, this is the first time we landed on the moon. It's a brand-new product, 1.0, and we're not going to have every cool feature until we're down the road a little farther with follow-on releases. but So we're not printing, we're not importing, exporting. Um, the charting isn't there. Printing the PDF would be really valuable. I'd love to see that in this device. It's not there yet. Also, camera support on the, uh, on the container fields on the oh, phone. Yeah. And, of course, that gets back to me wanting a camera on my, you know, my iPad, and, of course, that's not really there yet either. So You know, actually, I would predict that there's going to be a version of FileMaker Pro Advanced that will have some controls of the things that are unique to iPad. Maybe then we'll, we'll be able to unlock some of these new features. That's, that's what I would guess we'd see. I don't know if that'll be like an 11.1 or a 12 or what, but it would totally make sense to me if that would happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of opportunity there. FileMaker has to, you know, for, for FileMaker, this is kind of a little scary. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, everything that they had, all the interviews they had said this was going to be a great success. And I believe without a doubt, it's going to be a huge success. But I think it's a little scary because it's a brand new platform. They haven't launched a brand new platform 
uh, support for really a brand new platform since, you know, really seriously since Windows, right, which was 1992 or whatever it was. Um, the Bento came out, but, you know, as a FileMaker developer, that Bento is, you know, somewhat offensive to me, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, Bento was an experiment, and, and FileMaker actually gained confidence from the launch of Bento and the success that Bento has seen. And so they had more confidence to go after this. Because FileMaker fundamentally is a very conservative company. They don't take a lot of big risks. And for them, this is a, from their perspective, you know, I mean, it's a safe play, but this is not something they do every day. They don't go out and support new platforms every year or every five years. This is just not done. So this is a huge deal. I would say it's their saving grace. (laughs) I mean, if they don't do this, I would have considered FileMaker a declining market. Because the desktop is sort of... It's not going away for, let's say, 20 years, 25, 30 years. But it is the iPad and the iPhone, the number of people using it, the adoption, the acceptance, and the utility of it is a clear indication of the future. And so, you know, desktop apps, I'm not as pro on desktop apps as I am mobile apps now, just because that's what most people are going to be accessing things through. And it's going to be a small collection of people the developers that are ones basically just creating these services that people consume, whether it's on a mobile, whether it's on a touchscreen at a restaurant, at a table, on a mobile device, you name it. Yeah. So they, in my opinion, they needed to do this to stay relevant in my mind. Yeah, and I hate to say the word staying relevant. Let me give you a quick story real quick. And I, I was going to talk about this a little bit at DevCon, but – um, during testing, you know, the device is sitting on my desk, and my 13-year-old daughter comes bebopping across my desk. You know, I have a home office here, and she sees, you know, this thing running on this device. And she, and of course, she's 13, so it's all about Facebook, it's all about i uh, iPhones, and the iPad's cool, but you know, she doesn't have one yet. And she got into it. She never cared an inch about FileMaker until she saw this. And then she starts sitting down at my desk and starts building databases a month ago. Right, and I'm like Margaret. You can't talk about this. this is secret. You got to sign an NDA. I got to talk to the people, FileMaker, so they know <laughs> about the. I mean, you know. And she went off and built this application, and she can't wait. Now that it's shipped, she's going to tell all her friends, and they can all get online. They can share stuff together, and it's it's not so suddenly. You know, to your point, it's relevant again. And that's what that's what they need because I mean, FileMaker is not drawing the young audience for developers. The younger kids, they're doing CSS, HTML5, and JS. And yeah, know, they're doing it. They're doing it because they have the to, right? That's that's what they have to do to be able to build applications. Now we have another way. Yeah, well, yeah, I, that's what keeps it relevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a platform of choice for the younger crowd, without a doubt. Um, and I, FileMaker sees that; they see it without a doubt. It's always, you know, you just want to make sure that they uh, address it seriously. And I, they put a lot of resources behind this. You know, I, once again, you know. This, if you talk to them and you go to DevCon, you watch the keynote and you watch, uh, you know, Andy Lacates do the keynote. I mean, you're gonna. I mean, it's a it's a magical tool. It really is, and it's going to change our world as developers. I'm just excited. I don't, I don't know what to say. I, we were downloading it last night at 10 o'clock and all jumping up and down, all excited. It was crazy. <laughs> so I was would I. have downloaded it, but I'm stuck on a a 3G with an older jailbroken, so I haven't even been able to look at it yet. You don't have an iPad yet, Matt? No, I don't. Actually, but I have yeah. a reason to get one now. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. You know, if the iPad slow, uh, sales were ever going to slow down, uh, they're not now. They're definitely yeah. not now. A lot of people sitting on the fence are going to go get one. Yeah, I agree. And medical applications, legal applications, taking them into the courtrooms, 
all kinds of stuff people are going to be doing. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think about every one of my clients. I think I could find a use for them to have some aspect of their database running on an iPad somewhere in their organization immediately. I think it's just going to be so huge that way. Absolutely. It's going to be, uh, I told FileMaker, I said 70% of my customers are going to have an immediate use for this tool. And the other, you know, 30% are going to be trying to figure out how to justify it, you know, because it's, <laughs> it's cool. <clears throat> That's so true. My clients are saying, yeah, can we now get, you know, get the bosses to sign off on buying us all iPads? Because they've all been chomping at the bit to have iPads and iPhones. Absolutely. Awesome. So what are some of the other implications that you see uh, with this? The big implications are that we've got a younger audience that's going to care about this. We've got a brand new platform. We've breathed new life into something that, frankly, hasn't had a radical update in a lot of years. It's a good time to be a FileMaker developer. It really is. What about some of the implications of just using this in your, to help you develop? Like to sit your iPad next to your desk and have a FileMaker app running on that that sort of looks at what you're doing as a developer um, or looks, you know, gives you sort of a status display of what's going on with users of the database. It's just sort of a heads-up display that says, this is how many people are logged on, this is how many new records have been created in the last hour, and just sort of gives you a server health kind of a thing. Yeah, you could do a dashboard with this thing. Um, I mean, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, more manager-type folks and organizations, you know, operations managers, that type of thing, are going to want to be able to look down and see what their staff are doing. Having a dashboard-type application that's showing you the health of the database, you know, the number of sales calls maybe that are being made, the quotes that are being made, giving you, you know. I, I think there's potential of doing some charting with some other mechanisms with the device. I think that we can still get the charts, uh, just not with the native FileMaker charts, at least for the time being. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's not just the worker bees that will be out in the field. It will be the bosses and the managers and things like that that are going to see this as a device that keeps them connected. Obviously, you can use it to... Uh, to remote into machines, you know, the iPad can remote with a, a VNC type application to a server and you can see the status of a server and even remotely administer the server. So, you know, it's, it extends the influence of what we can do for people who are on the go, who are mobile. It's too bad I came in halfway, but this, I'm, I haven't been able to look at it, but this is awesome. Thanks a lot for the information, Richard. I mean, it's been very helpful to me and I'm totally grateful. Now, we're happy to help and, uh, and, and help educate the uh, developers out there because this is going to be a, a tool in everyone's tool chest that is building FileMaker solutions. They're going to need to have this specific skill set in their tool chest. Awesome. It's such a great time to be a FileMaker developer. It's been said before, but, yeah, this is, this is a, a good day. So go be it. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs>